Welcome to the Earthling Lotus podcast. My name is Lauren, and this is the podcast where we discuss anything and everything in between within this experience we call life, as well as hear the stories of other creatives and artists along the way. So I hope you're ready to create a life that you love and learn to embody the most authentic version of yourself. Let the journey begin. Welcome and thank you for being open to share your stories here on the podcast. Of course, thanks for having us. Why don't you guys just go ahead and let everybody know who you are, what you do, and what you guys are all about. Sure. So we're Christian and Aubrey, or the Matinees, and we live in a Sprinter van, converted 2007 Sprinter van that we converted ourselves and turned into a home, and we have been traveling in it for almost two years, and then obviously we also document our life as well, so... We make YouTube videos, Instagram, podcasts, et cetera, um, just kind of telling stories about our life. So, yeah, we just try to travel wherever sounds interesting and challenging. And right now we are in Mexico. We're in central Mexico. Um, just came from San Luis Potosí, Mexico, and we're trying to just get as far south as possible. So we'll see if we make it all, all the way to Argentina. That's, that's the goal right now. We're definitely making it to Argentina. <laughs> That's awesome. So I'd like to start with a little something I call the weekly wrap, just to open things up a little and get things flowing, as well as to reflect on the week before so we can move on to the next with positive intentions. So I guess I can go ahead and go first. My week has been pretty good, still pretty busy juggling a bunch of different things at once, but I'm just trying to figure out a good flow and get things done. But this week I was just really reminded of how kind people are. Like, you know, the whole law of attraction thing or even the quote that's like if you put good vibes out into the universe good vibes will come back to you like it's just so true and I was really reminded of that this week because I was putting out those good vibes smiling at people passing by and multiple people just kept coming up to me and complimenting me on my style and honestly just genuine conversation and it was just really really amazing reminder that I think we all need to hear again sometimes that there are good people in this world, and it's just those simple little things that can make the world of a difference. And I'm sure you guys heard a lot of different things before heading into Mexico and of how the people in the area are dangerous and such, mostly probably from people who have never been there and are just in a state of fear about the rest of the world because of what they hear through the media. So this is your second time down to Mexico, right? How has your week and your time in Mexico been so far? Definitely. Uh, Well... First of all, you're 100% right, and we talk about this all the time, and that there's so much fear-mongering that goes on with Mexico. Um, and we, it, it's so easy to do to your neighbors, you know? It's so easy to feel like the people that um, you don't quite understand but are close to you are the bad guys, you know? And, like, every country we go to, it seems like they just point to the next country and say they're the actual bad guys. And so far, we haven't actually found the bad guys. So <laughs> you're, you're right in that, like, there's so much fear-mongering. Um, Okay, so weekly wrap-up. So I guess we were in northern Mexico, which was really, really amazing and beautiful. And it was, it was incredible to actually just, like, you know, get a flow, actually be relaxed. And I, I think the thing I take away from this week is that if you just put your head down and keep on working hard, like, things will kind of pay you back. So we had a really hard day where we had a few unexpected things happen. It felt super, super down. Um, and that was super, really, really disappointing. And that just so happened that the next day everything kind of came together. It was, like, surprising crash and then a surprising, like, rebalancing. So <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, but that was this, I don't know, we, we talk about that a lot, that even when things really suck, it's just as long as you, you know, stay positive and stay moving forward, it's really balanced out. Mm-hmm. That's, that's my weekend wrap. 
don't know if I did that right. Are you going to try? Well, I was literally going to say the same thing. So, yeah. I, I mean, I talk about even, like, in Mexico, I feel like you, you feel it even more because it feels so unfamiliar. We don't speak Spanish. We speak enough to get kind of by, but not really. So, like, we can't. Um, it doesn't feel like we can depend on people in the same way that we can when we're in the States or in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, but here you totally can. And, like, that, you know, that idea that, like, things kind of always work out, it it rings true even for the little things. Like, last weekend we were in this really tiny town and we were in a big van and we couldn't fit down a street. Like, physically could not fit down one of the streets. And we had to back up and it was, like, this huge stressful traffic jam that we were causing. But everybody there was super calm and, like, helped us out. And I just, I feel like that just keeps happening this week is just all of these things that feel like stressful, fake situations tend to work out if you just, like, keep moving forward and depend on the people around you. That's amazing. Yeah, I can't imagine how stressful that would be, especially since, I mean, you guys are working on your Spanish, but you still don't speak fluently. So it's like, oh, what's everyone doing? <laughs> Before we get into it, maybe you guys could share a little bit of how you two met, because you married relatively young, but you guys just seem to have, like, a really amazing and fun relationship between the two of you, and especially li <laughs> and especially living in a van, you know, you got to really get along and have open communication with the person you're sharing that tiny square footage with. Yeah, no, no communication is key. Um, yeah, so we met when we were, what, like 18 and 19, I think? Um, yeah, so, so pretty young. And we were pretty good friends before we met. Um, no, and, before, before I mean, we started, started dating. That would be <laughs> Before we started dating. And we both just, like, really collected each other. Before we even started dating, we kind of knew in the back of our mind that this was the person we were going to spend the rest of our life with. And I don't know. I just, for me personally, like, I was in a place where I didn't really want a relationship unless that person was really going to like challenge me and I felt like I could do more and bigger things with that person um, than I could on my own and that was Christian 100% and so things kind of moved really quickly after that um, and we just I don't know we just decided to lock it down <laughs> hold on hold on I, I need to spice the story up because there's a lot spicier than this <laughs> um, so one of my favorite parts is that, so we were friends, I was up in D.C. and Aubrey was in L.A. And we ended up kind of working, well, further down the road, we worked for the same company. And that's, uh, that, that's how we were able to, like, move to the same city. And, and it's kind of, like, helped us solidify everything, I guess. It was convenient that we worked for the same company. But I was, like, finding excuses to, to get her to come travel towards me because she traveled for work. But kind of, like, Inception-style planted this idea in her head that, like, she needed to put on this work trip in D.C., and then all of a sudden, like, she forgot that it was my idea, and she decided it was her idea, so it, like, worked really well. I we were up there, we were hanging out, we were, like, really good friends at the time, and she set me down, and she was, like, it's just, it's so funny when you look back on this, I'm like, how far are you coming in just a couple of years? Because this is just the goofiest thing in the world, but I think it's hilarious. So just, Aubrey was like, look, I've got to talk to you about something. And we, we've been, like, really clicking, like, looking so much that it's scary. Like, oh, no. If I lean into this, I'm going to just, like, be stuck with this person for the rest of my life. Like, we click too well. You know what I mean? Like, we got to be aware of that. Yeah. So I, I was down for that. Aubrey, I think, wasn't. So Aubrey was like, look, I need to talk to you about something. I was like, okay. And she said, I'm really afraid that you're going to fall in love with me. And try to, like, mess our friendship up. 
your love stories <laughs> yeah, definitely oh, oh, golly yeah it was funny so a big part of your life together is sharing your journey and experiences through social media but Aubrey you actually had your own YouTube channel and such before the creation of your channels with Christian that started out as the minimal millennials and now the transition to the matinees so how and when did that start did you have to convince Christian into creating and sharing your travels or was it a mutual idea oh. once you both got into van life I'm so glad you're asking her about this. <laughs> about to, uh... um, yeah, so I had always been interested in YouTube, and the, the YouTube channel that I had worked on um, previously was actually for another company. So it was kind of like super, I don't know, like not no stress, you know, like I was getting paid to do it, and it was super fun, and I loved it, and I learned so much. Um, and I think because of that experience, I really wanted to create something that like we owned, you know, that wasn't for another company. So I just kind of, over probably a year, I kept bringing it up and coming up with different ideas, like maybe this could be our concept for a YouTube channel. And, you know, Christian kind of batted a lot of them away because they probably weren't good ideas in the first place. And then we were both getting really into minimalism once we moved into our studio apartment in downtown San Antonio. We just kind of realized how much stuff we have and really wanted to minimize our life when it comes to stuff and time and, and that kind of thing. And so because that was something that we were already working on and challenging ourselves with, I felt like maybe that'd be a good topic for a YouTube channel. So that's where the name Minimal Millennials came from. So we really started our YouTube channel just talking about minimalism. And then from minimalism, really, the van came. So we decided, you know, why are we making just more money to buy more stuff? This doesn't really make sense. It's like use this money to actually create experiences and challenge ourselves um, and that kind of thing. So that's how we decided to buy a van and downsize even more. And then that is because that was just our life. We started sharing about that on YouTube. And I, I'd say that that brought us fairly good success. The van people were just really interested in it. So. Hold on. She's missing a big part of what you talked about. That's <laughs> about her YouTube channel. And this is the truth, dude. Well, okay, obviously, Aubrey is, like, the talent behind the YouTube channel. Like, I don't know if you very easy to do that. So she's the one that, like, does most of the really impressive work. But then she also has her own channel, and I keep encouraging her to invest more in it. And it hasn't happened. So if that's what you were talking about, I'm so glad that someone else is encouraging her to put, like, videos on there. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, I because I knew she had a separate channel because I think I had found a couple of her videos yeah. through there, and then I found your van channel. But yeah, did you have to convince Christian into doing it, or Christian, were you kind of all for it too, or? Oh, YouTube initially, so it took a couple of months. I'd never like really taken a picture or video of anything, and so I was just a little bit like yeah, I don't even know how to approach it. You know what I mean? I was like, well, I don't really know why we're making a channel. Like, what is Really remember to be totally honest with you because I enjoy it so much now. Can't really remember if I was forward or not. 
But I definitely know that I wasn't really pushing it initially. That's definitely true. Just because I, you know, I didn't have the skills and I had never done it before. But once we did it, it took like Aubrey maybe like three months kind of floating the idea by me. And I was like, okay, let's just do it. And then we did it. And then we started having a ton of fun and blatantly self-promoted to try to, you know, get all our friends to watch our videos. And, you know, pretty soon, boom, it was doing something. So definitely by this point, it's we're both all about it. And we're both, we both really love making the videos. We both really love editing. We both really love Pretty much everything that has to do with the brand and, and doing anything with it. But, no, Aubrey's definitely the main talent and the main driving force behind getting started, for sure. Awesome, awesome. And you actually kept your job throughout van life for a little bit. I'm not sure if you still work for the company remotely still, but what originally inspired you to ditch the typical workflow and dive into the alternative nomadic lifestyle? Sure. Well, we both kept our jobs, so and Aubrey can talk on that, too. But um, I've been working kind of a traditional sales job, kind of. And it was something that I could do in a certain form on the road. But basically, I mean, we we spent quite a bit of time, like, as a classic book, young married couple. And then I don't know how it happened, but it just felt like all of a sudden we were afloat. You know what I mean? Like, we we could go to the grocery store and not worry as much. And we paid, like, our cars were paid off. And we lived in this tiny apartment, but we really didn't want anything else. We'd been just getting rid of our stuff. So it was this inverse these two things going on that we were getting rid of stuff and didn't want as many things and we're finally making a little more money and that was a weird two things to happen at once right because it was like we finally have enough money to buy something but like we don't want to buy anything or for the first time right yeah that is where it came from i think in that we, we were kind of talking to each other and we were like what is the future of this we're still so young we were probably 19 and 21 maybe something like that but we were like you know, what's the future of this? I'd already been at the job for, like, over a year. Aubrey's been at her job for a couple of years. Uh, and we're like, are we just, you know, going to fill up our savings account to buy stuff we don't even want to buy? Like, well, what's what's the game plan here? So that, I think, is why it was kind of a no-brainer to leave the job. But I did work on the road an extra year. Uh, then Aubrey worked on the road for an extra, probably, what, like, six months? Yeah. And we did that really just, I mean, obviously, because we need to financially support our travels. And then we're fortunate enough now that our social media brand can kind of, at least for now, it can keep us afloat. So <laughs> that's why we're, you know, we, for the first year of being on the road, we were working. In the last, like, eight months, we've just been doing full-time YouTube, Instagram, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you were born with and have always had such an entrepreneurial spirit? Or were you maybe influenced by the people around you growing up? Yeah, I think it's different for both of us. So I'll answer for me and then Christian can answer for himself. I I think I, in some ways, was born with that entrepreneurial spirit and just, like, wanting to do something different with my life. Like, I think that it's definitely something that I naturally just gravitate towards. But also I have the example of my dad, who he's an animator. For my junior high and high school years, he was uh, running his own business and uh, working his own uh, clients and and doing some freelance work and that kind of thing. And now he and my mom are running a successful online teaching school for animation. And so to have that kind of just very normalized in my life and kind of the working from home model, really normal in my life too, it just didn't seem like too much of a jump to quit my job and try to, you know, start our own business and make money for ourselves. So that is definitely where I'm at, but Christian might be different. Well... I don't want to take too much credit because Aubrey kind of deserves it. She really is the born entrepreneur, I think. I do think we make a good team, though, because 
I'm not a born entrepreneur, but I definitely like I like to work like me. Like, I like to just like get stuff done. Like if there's a project, I just want to do it and do it quickly. And Aubrey is much more of like let's figure out all the ideas and let's make these big grand schemes and let's like think of really interesting projects that are fun, challenging and fun. So I think it's a pretty good team because most of our I'd say majority of our interesting ideas come from Aubrey for sure. But then maybe Aubrey disagrees with me on this, but you know, a lot of times the like do let's actually do it through the practice spirit comes from me probably. Um so it's, I think we're a pretty good little entrepreneur team. But Aubrey is definitely the classic entrepreneur and it's taken me a couple of years of practice actually to be comfortable being self-employed because I think I'm much more comfortable being employed by somebody else because there's a lot of security there. Being self-employed gives such little security in like, you know, it always feels like you could just all fall apart today. So Aubrey just like is comfortable living like that and I'm working on becoming comfortable. I'm a lot more comfortable than I used to be. <laughs> yeah, so your strengths and weaknesses kind of play off each other to make a good team. Did you guys have like a good support system from your friends and family when you made all of this happen, or did they kind of think you were crazy, or both? Dang, I can't remember. Well, okay, I do know that like anyone who starts a YouTube channel about themselves is gonna get a hard time, like mm-hmm. a little bit. Like it's a pretty goofy thing to do, to be honest. Like, <laughs> I think it's awesome. Anyone we encourage that. everyone to do it. We encourage everyone to do it. It's still a little bit of a goofy thing to do. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I think our friends and family, I mean, they watched our first videos. Uh, you know, we just pushed it and tried to make it SEO friendly and pushed it beyond our audience. And fairly quickly, we had at least a little bit of an outside audience. That might have only been like 500 people, but it was enough that it like got it outside of the family pretty fast. So I think that it took a while for anyone to understand what we were doing, probably. I think yeah. Ari's dad probably most naturally understood the potential about it and what we were doing because he is from an arts field in a similar way and a video-focused field, and he's very entrepreneurial and artistic. Like, that's, Aubrey definitely gets a lot of her entrepreneur and artistic talent from him. So I think he understood fairly quickly. Maybe that was a different type of support from Aubrey's parents, but then my parents are just really good people and just kind of, like, support us as people, even if they didn't really understand what we were doing. So by now they know what we're doing. But I don't think anyone was negative. Definitely no one, like, you know, yeah, no one tried to, like, steer us away from pursuing it. That's for sure. Everyone was supportive. I just don't know. I mean, I think it took different people different amounts of time to, like, get why we were working so hard. But also part of it is that, honestly, I think we were fairly smart about it and that we didn't, like, try to throw everything away from you. YouTube immediately, right? Like, we barely made any money on it the first year, even though we got a decent following in the first year. Yeah. Um, we, you know, nothing almost, and had 50,000 followers. And that's just because you just, you can't monetize YouTube very quickly at all. So we were working that whole time for a reason, right? And we worked it for a year and a half, maybe more. Yeah, a year and a half of our, you know, YouTube channel's life was us working on other things and not relying on it for money at all. So I think if we had, like, quit our job day one of YouTube and try to rely on it for money, we might have gotten a little more pushback from the parents. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows, you know? Yeah, and, like, that's so important that you guys realize that because you got to, like, love the whole YouTube thing first and not do it just for the money because that comes later. Okay. <laughs> and you guys obviously oh, yeah. learned that. And it, it shows, you know? It, it shows. If someone's trying to start a channel and they're trying to rely on it for money, I just, I think it, I mean, God bless and I wish them the best, but... Uh, I think it shows on the content. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like the passion isn't there. Yeah, 
definitely. I mean, we're really passionate, but there's plenty of, like, we really, really are. There's plenty of days that, like, you know, we need to make sure that our channel keeps doing well. And so we'll get yeah. nervous and maybe we'll, like, make videos we weren't as proud of. And I think those are the show. And I think that people can tell when we're really stupid because we love it. So, you know, I, I, right now we feel amazing about it. We're loving the videos we're making right now. But it, it definitely has some flaws. You've got to really work on your mindset all the time. Or we do, at least. Maybe other people have this naturally. But we've got to work on our mindset all the time to, like, make sure that every video we put out is we're putting it out because we love the video, not because we're, like, trying to keep the channel doing well or something. Mm-hmm. How long have you been traveling almost full-time in the van? Um, I would say almost two years now. Two years in May or June. Yeah. Okay, when you were first looking into vans, did you already know you wanted a sprinter, or were there other options you were looking into? Well, so we were driving home one day from, from visiting my parents over the weekend, and one of us, who said it, maybe? It was you. Oh, I guess it was me. said, hey, maybe we should think about, like, buying my parents' old minivan, like, I don't know, minivan, it was like a white cargo van, and, like, converting it. And we were like, well, that's a crazy idea. And then two weeks later, we bought a sprinter, a really old junker sprinter. So it was like we went from like beginning of the idea to buying a sprinter in two weeks. But I think a lot of people spend like, you know, six months researching ProMasters or transits or schoolies or all kinds of stuff. And we never had freaking time for that, man. We just <laughs> bought a van. Definitely pros and cons of each van, but no, it wasn't like I, I think we were kinda of looking for a sprinter, but there wasn't <laughs> there wasn't much strategy and planning and so we just kinda of went out and bought a van. We just honestly wanted a van that we could stand up in. That was the only thing. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I think you guys, one of you mentioned in one of your older videos that, like, as kids, I'm not sure if it was both of you or one of you, but you would travel around with your family in a van. It was, like, all, like, the whole bunch of you just packed in one van. Like, yeah. it wasn't converted. Yeah, definitely. That was me. That was you? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Those were great, great road trips, man. That's just like a passenger van where all the kids were like, you know, caught up on the ground. And yeah, we would, we would all sleep in on like sleeping bags around the the seats and get an ice chest and just fill it with like peanut butter and jelly and bread and like what you know whatever we could just mix up on the road with and disappear for three or four weeks and you know just rock. It was so fun. That's awesome. What are your some of your favorite places you've traveled to in the van so far? Definitely Mexico is a huge highlight, and uh, like you said earlier, this is our second time to Mexico. In Mexico, we have two areas that we absolutely have fallen in love with. Last year, we went to Oaxaca, which is kind of uh, more on the southern tip of Mexico, and the culture there is so rich, and the beaches there are, like, so beautiful and barely anybody around, so we loved that. And then recently, we just left our new favorite area in Mexico, I'd say, and that's San Luis Potosí, and it's so close to the States. We drove there in six hours from Texas. So wow. we're definitely trying to promote, like, Americans absolutely need to go to San Luis Potosí. The bluest water you've ever seen in your life. We went whitewater rafting. We went to this huge waterfall called Cascada de Tamul, and we had to canoe there to even get there. What else did we do? We shocked up right next to this beautiful river uh, for probably four days with some friends. And uh, that was in Tomasopo, a little town kind of up in the mountains. So anyways, it's uh, absolutely amazing. That's Mexico. And then as far as like in the States, I'd say uh, one of our favorite trips was to the North Cascades in Washington State. It's absolutely beautiful. 
we like did an overnight camping trip there with Christian's brother. And again, like the bluest water you've ever seen. Uh, what else? You got really dried up with the states, huh? Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> like, we're looking millions of places. We love BC, Canada for sure, Vancouver Island, New Washington State, um, Olympic National Park. Really, anything on like the western side of Washington is nature's pretty unreal. We love, really love the redwoods. Yeah, the west coast. I mean, I know everyone's in the west coast. The west coast is pretty sick. And then also, like Arizona and New Mexico are very spot on Those areas are just pretty awesome. So. Yeah, man, the whole West Coast. I mean, we've only done North America in the band, right? So Canada, United States, and Mexico. Uh, I, we both traveled a little more extensively than that, but like, that's been our van excursion so far. So hopefully we're going to do all of North and South America, not all of the majority of And uh, we'll have some new, fresh answers for you, you know, <laughs> in a while. Yeah, would you ever consider shipping the van over to, say, Europe and travel around on that side of the world? Yeah, we've definitely considered it. <laughs> I mean, it seems to me that, like, different regions of the world are more conducive to van life. Mm-hmm. Obviously, North America extremely is. Uh, Australia extremely is. Uh, a lot of people do it in Europe. A lot of people do it in South America. So those areas seem very doable. I mean, I traveled in Asia some, and it does not seem like you could realistically do it there. So we talked about backpacking there. Uh, we talked about jeeping Africa, because you couldn't really ban Africa in the same way. Uh, when it comes to Europe... We talked about some crazy ideas of Europe, like trying to bike Europe. We're not really bikers. Cycle. Cycle, yeah. Um, but, you know, we're not really great at it, but we like it, so we might try that. And I, I don't know. It, it seems like like with how much driving you've got to do in the Americas to get from place to place, and the, there's fairly good quality roads and things like that, uh, it seems like it's just a very conducive couple of continents to families. So we definitely would consider it, definitely, but, you know, there's other ways of traveling that I think might suit other regions better. Do you have anything to add to that, babe? <laughs> yeah, that totally makes sense. And you actually just bought a house with some family, so how has that affected your views on van life and the sustainability of it? Do you enjoy having a home base now? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, after traveling for almost two years, pretty nonstop, and not having, you know, anywhere we could kind of crash for a couple of weeks to, like, rebuild the van or uh, things like that, it just that was taking its toll on us, and so we both felt like we need a space where we can go back to for short periods of time and just kind of relax for a second and get our lives together. And so it just worked out where these family members needed to move to an area and they didn't want to buy a huge house by themselves, and we, you know, liked that area, (laughs) we already have family there and that kind of thing. And so it just worked out, it was really good timing for us. I don't know how much we'll be there this year, that's the interesting thing about it, but it was really nice the last couple of months to be there and to kind of have an, like an office. <laughs> that was a huge luxury for us where we could get up and we could get work done and we could kind of get our life organized before this big trip. So in a lot of ways, I actually think that having our home base and having that house will make travel more sustainable because we can take breaks from travel. And that probably sounds like really crazy to people who who aren't able to travel as much as us, but I always want to be careful that, like, (laughs) we don't complain about traveling and the toll it's taking on us, but I think it is really important to take breaks sometimes from even the best things in life just to make sure that you're enjoying them and and you're doing it for the right reasons. So I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And because one of the 
main things that having a home base can give you is that sense of community and an opportunity to grow some roots. But although it may be, may be easier in a house, there seems to be an amazing community of people within the van life movement. So how do you guys try to maintain that sense of community while you're traveling and create relationships within that community? Definitely, dude. We literally always with people. Yeah. Like, problematically, so. Like, we're always, like, we have to go on a date. Like, we basically spend zero days in Mexico ourselves in either of our trips. I mean, like, right now, we're basically traveling with three other couples. We've got Vinny and Ari, who wreck it on the road, and um, Quinn and Shah are some really sweet young guys that have been rocking with us. And then Sergio Montiano are really good homies with ours here in Mexico. And... We're going to be seeing all of them and more today, like just hanging out, right? So we're always, always with people um, because it's just fun to travel with people. And it's a different way to get to know someone, you know? It's like if you're just, you know, going over for dinner like once a month to someone's house, then how, how much are you really going to get to know these people? But, if you know, you have five days in a row where you're eating every single meal with people and, you know, really like sharing community with them every single minute of every single day, like five days can do a year's worth of relationship building. You know, it's like, it's, it's wild. It's truly, truly wild how well you get to know people. So we definitely love that style of friendship. It's pretty amazing. Now the downside is that, you know, our friends are all over the world, all the time, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we're always trying to meet up with our friends and, you know, make new friends. But I'd say there's things about the, the, the online community and the travel community as a whole that are so amazing and, and add a different level of community than, than people who haven't traveled with our experience. But there's also huge limitations in that there's no real space to build long-term community that you know you can rely on in the same way because people are just all over the place. So we're definitely looking forward to building a little bit more community in Austin. I mean, Austin's my hometown, so we have to figure out how we build a community as adults that are married and a couple, you know, not just my high school buddies who I love, but, you know, like yeah. finding new a little bit. So, yeah, we're, we're done. I, I agree with you. And I think that uh, having a home base, that's one of the biggest advantages and one of the things we're excited about long term. But to be honest with you, like having a home base does not mean in any way that we're slowing down our travels. Yeah. It's actually our of enabling ourselves to travel for years and years and years to come. I mean, mm-hmm. I really still feel like we're just getting started with family. Yeah, and the relationships you build, like, while you're traveling, it's like you have extended family all over the world that you can yeah, always call true. up and rely on. No, nope, but damn sure that's very true. Do you ever feel isolated when it's just you two on the road? Like, just you two? I mean, again, it's, like, a different answer for both of us. For me, personally, I don't. Like, I love kind of being on our own and adventuring and... I'm not going to say, like, I don't mind it, but I know Christian has a very different answer for himself. No, not a very different answer. I love being, I mean, like, Ari's obviously my best friend, and, like, we, Ari Charlie's best friend. Like, I would, I don't know, we spend every minute of every day together and still enjoy hanging out with each other every single time. So, that's, you know, we never get sick of that, right? So, when we're off road, I love that. But I definitely am very social, and um, so I think that I do get a little bit lonely and, um, I don't know. I like it being with. I like traveling with people. It doesn't stress me out. I think it's really fun. Or do I think Aubrey? Most times, it's probably rather just be traveling with you. Like, like you said, that. I wouldn't say that. I would rather be traveling with the two of us. But I definitely want more of a balance, like more equal opportunity to do both. Yeah. And when we go through periods of like traveling with just people for months and months at a time, 
we just like kind of lose connection with each other. Yeah. But then when we go through periods of traveling these months and months by ourselves, we just like isolate ourselves in these little tiny quiet worlds. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think there's a balance for sure. <laughs> what are some tips or advice you would give someone who is interested in living an alternative lifestyle, creating their own business, or getting into van life? We get a lot of questions like that. Um, and it's usually from people who maybe aren't surrounded by uh, a community of people that believe that it's even possible to live an alternative lifestyle. And so I think that's, that's a huge thing. Is like not only should you believe that like you 100% can make your own choices for your own life, and uh, it's going to take some hard work um, to live an alternative lifestyle, to start your own business and that kind of thing, but it's absolutely possible for anybody. But also, I think it's really important to surround yourself with people who believe in you and, like, really value kind of similar things as you. I know we're so, so lucky to be surrounded by people like that. And I think it tends to be because anybody who decides to live in a van and travel full-time uh, tends to have kind of that same mindset where, like, you can you put your head down, you can really make things happen. But it's just so encouraging for us to be around people like that because it, it really helps us believe that, you know, we can do the next crazy thing, like drive to Argentina. So I think that's definitely my main advice. But. I think that is all very true. And if nothing else that people get from our videos, I hope they can tell that, like, and everyone who meets us can tell this for sure, is that, like, we are super, super normal people. Like, we are not better builders than anybody else, um, and we're not, like, more athletically skilled or adventurous than anybody else or, like, better filmmakers or anything. We're just, I think, I've been willing to try, and I think, I hope that encourages people that, you know, you don't have to be a good builder to try down life, and you don't have to be an expert in your field to start a business there. So I hope that's encouraging. Any little bit of success we've had so far is probably just because we have each other and a good support system in each other. I will say, in a more specific, like, a less broad, cliched way, is that, like, if you want to try van life, I recommend getting whatever vehicle you have right now and doing a little bit of a conversion in it and making it livable for a couple of weeks, like camping bags, and then just, like, take a vacation and and hit the road and, like, try living out of your uh, your freaking... a forerunner, whatever you have, your minivan, or whatever you have. Yeah, people live out of Priuses, right? So there's like a way to try living out of your car and the limitations of it, uh, and a little bit less about we're just going to pay like twenty thousand dollars to buy this van and renovate it and everything, right? So I, I like for instance, my little brother is fifteen, really smart kid, really great guy, and he's dying to do van life. And my advice that I keep giving him because he's in high school right now is make your first car something like a forerunner, like an adventure car. Go ahead and convert it, a little tiny conversion just for a button for your gear, and then take week-long trips and see how you like it. Because if you don't like it, you haven't lost anything, you know? You haven't really risked much. But if you do like it, you'll be even more confirmed to do van life. So I think for van life, that's definitely huge advice that I have. I think for starting a business, I just say, like, find a really good partner, probably a life partner that you, that you like and who's a lot more talented than you, and then, you know, just roll with that person. Yeah, for sure. So just like testing the waters, going for it. Even if you don't quite know where you're going, just go for it anyway. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But I think there's ways to go for it that are a little less impulsive than the way we went for it. Mm-hmm. We just kind of like, you know, bought a van just because we were like, we need to buy a van. I mean, it's worked out for us, of course, obviously. But we definitely spent a little more money on preparing this van than we might have otherwise if we had. You know. Yeah, and the amazing thing about van life is that, like, your home is constantly traveling with you. So, like, if you have a long day out, you're out adventuring, you can come back and your home is always there. 
And I just think that that is the most amazing thing about traveling with your home, pretty much. Absolutely. And that's why it's so sustainable, you know? Like, we've been doing it for almost two years now. It literally feels like we're just getting started. And it doesn't feel like something that has an expiration date because we're able to make money on the road and because we have such a comfortable home. You know, just, we're just living in any of these areas. We're not traveling through the right, like right now we live in Central Mexico, right? And so, I don't know, I totally agree. It's really special. So, as we mentioned, social media plays a huge part in your life. And I'm curious, do you feel that you have a decent balance between work, social media, and living in the present? And what are some things that you do or implement into your life that help you to maintain that balance? Uh, we definitely don't have a balance. <laughs> I would say maybe I present more balance than we did when we first started. Um, so that's really good. <laughs> but I do think that, like, getting out into nature really, really helps me, at least. And a lot of times, you know, you don't have very good data out there. So you don't even have the option to get on Instagram and, and check messages and things like that. But, but either way, like, just presenting yourself with absolute beauty and nature just kind of takes you, absolutely forces you to be in the moment. You can't not be when there's that, you know, absolutely incredible sight in front of you. And so I think that's like one thing we really try to be intentional about because it's, you know, being in a van and traveling doesn't mean that you're automatically just plopped into all these beautiful areas. You have to be really intentional about challenging yourself and finding those areas and um, trying new things and that kind of thing. As far as like work-life balance goes, we're trying to get better and we're always, you know, we're good checks and balances for each other, I would say. But yeah, I can't, I can't say that I have like a whole lot of advice there, maybe just. Well, also it's hard because our life is our work, you know, like yeah. obviously we document the life and put it online and so, you know, when we're having, we definitely will slot out certain days where we don't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it feels a little weird not to work on certain days, but certain days, we're just going on a date, um, Actually, most days we're not filming and documenting, right? Because we wouldn't be able to have real relationships with each other or other people if we did. But I definitely agree with Aubrey. We're not great examples of work-life balance. We're always kind of living life. We're always kind of working. <laughs> Enjoy them both. <laughs> like the only downside is that sometimes we have to talk to each other and be like, hey, we got to snap out of business partner mode and get into romantic partner mode and you know, put it. <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned it a little bit, like since you are traveling, do you ever find it hard to decide what days you want to film and what days you just want to live in the moment and not worry about filming anything? Because I know I've experienced this a little bit myself, but I'm learning that not everything has to be captured on film. Like it's okay to just have memories for you. But sometimes it's hard to make that decision and just put the camera away unless you really just feel like living in the moment and have no desire to film, especially like when you're around family and such. But do you ever... Experience that as well? Yeah, of course, absolutely. And, and uh, we don't film you know, a ton of our experiences. And obviously, there's also certain kinds of experiences we don't personally film. I mean, our, our channel is like a van life travel channel, right? So we keep seeing that when we're, we're filming and creating content that isn't based around that, it doesn't really click with our people, you know? So we, you know, obviously do a lot more things than just like, you know, live in our van by the river, right? Like, yeah. we love doing that, and that's honestly a huge percentage of our lives. Like, more days than not, that's what we're doing. But then there's plenty of other days where we're doing really fun stuff that we're not going to sell, right? Like, we've got a ton of friends here in Mexico that we are here in Caretaro that we really excited to see, and today we're going to go on a big lunch date with some of our friends, and then tonight we're going to go out with a bunch of our Mexican friends. We can't wait to do that, but that's not worth filming, you know what I mean? Or it's not, like, 
doesn't make sense for our audience. So I think that you have to know your audience. And then I think another thing is like we're always trying to like make entertaining videos. There's definitely certain types of things that don't really, you can't really build a story off of them, right? It's just like going to see something. So we try not to film that. So there's definitely some days that it's like, well, it sure would be nice if we didn't really need to film this, but I think it'd be good to film. But then there's other things that you just like want to film, you know? So yeah. We definitely don't film anything. And sometimes we regret not filming something. And sometimes we, you know, the other day we didn't film something we probably should have. But then, that's, you know, a couple weeks before that, we went to a big van life meetup and tried to film it, but it wasn't really a space for it. We had to scrap all that footage, right? So yeah. We certainly don't always make our decisions on what to, what to film and what not to so, film. Yeah. So this is a little bit of a different topic, but you both live a vegan lifestyle. So could you maybe explain your vegan story a little bit? When did you go vegan? What inspired you? Yeah, so we went vegan, uh, yeah, a little over two years ago. And I just wanted to try it out. I didn't know any vegans. I'd seen some people on YouTube be vegan. Um, and I just heard some things on the internet about it. And I was like, you know what, let's just see if it works for us. And so Christian came home one day, and I informed him that you're vegan now. And, uh, <laughs> and he was like, he was like, okay, cool, but I'm still not going to be vegan when we're like at, you know, friends and family's houses or when we're at a restaurant. And I was like, that's totally fine. So we hadn't watched any of the classic vegan documentaries, like Conspiracy uh, or anything like that. But because we decided we're going to start eating vegan, we decided to watch uh, some of those documentaries. And I think that kind of reinforced the decision for both of us. We both kind of had a, you know, a little bit of a different journey with it. And I, I'm a pretty extreme person, so I just kind of like went cold turkey, uh, whereas for Christian, he really wanted to be more gradual and, and was eating, you know, cheese and things like that for a little bit but yeah just for a little bit but anyways it was just like a a really I don't know we just we just decided we wanted to try it like that's really what happened kind of have a weird story there and I think now we definitely love being vegan and would absolutely never go back but I don't know it's like it's hard because we don't necessarily talk about it too much on our channel yeah because we I mean it goes along with what Christian Jeff said about kind of keeping our content really focused and that just isn't quite as focused with, you know, the theme of our channel and that kind of thing. But we also have a lot of friends and family that are not vegan and who, you know, we just ha- kind of have this perspective of like, we don't want to put pressure on people to be vegan just because we're vegan, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, don't know, I don't know if that makes sense. Well, okay, so a couple of thoughts on it. First of all, I want to talk about what she just said there, and then I want to go back to our vegan story because we have a different vegan story. Mm-hmm. I think that, like, what, well, I don't need to speak for you, but, like, I think how we both feel probably is that, like, veganism has been amazing for us. It's an amazing lifestyle. We're huge into it. To me, it's, it's hands down the most environmentally and ethically responsible way to eat. But I, like, I, I think both of us were raised in very fundamentalist situations, which basically would say that, like, you know, that moral code is the only way to live, right? And I, I'm so, I think we're both very hesitant to ever, like, impose a moral code on other people, because I think that that's just does a lot of hubris. Having said, that doesn't downplay the fact that we love being vegan and think it's hands down the most environmentally friendly and ethical way to eat, and for us, it's the, it's our moral responsibility, right? So, we feel like it's our moral responsibility to be vegan, but I think we're hesitant to impose that on other people just because that's not, 
you know, like we're, we're more just excited to share about the success in our life. So, would you say that more accurately? Yeah. But like, you, you dug into a hole. I didn't know where you were going. But like, I don't want it to downplay how much we love being vegan, how extremely important it is in our life, and how much like we sacrifice for it. And it's like we love it. You know, it's like it, it, it's just part of our life now. I can't imagine it back. And it's it's really improved our life in so many, so many, so many ways. So, you know. By us saying we don't want to employ impose our moral code on other people, that's more just like a, an ethic we try to live by in our life, in every area of life, no matter how passionate we are about the thing that we're doing. So, you know, that also applies to our diet. But I think with our vegan story, I did kind of come home and Aubrey was like, hey, we're going vegan. And I said, well, that's pretty whack. But at the time, I never really got in the kitchen. And that's definitely changed. Like, vegans was maybe very interested in food. And then also, I grew up in Texas, so I grew up hunting, and I grew up with everyone I knew eating meat. So it was just like, I was really off the wall. But I was like, okay, that sounds good, but I'm going to still, you know, eat other food when I go out and stuff like that. But then I was also, like, about to try to get a, a master's degree in, in environmental science and, like, kind of just trying to build more sustainable infrastructure for the environment. And then I started learning about, like, how much, especially, like, the uh, different agriculture industries negatively impact the environment and I was just blown away. And I realized that like for myself at least, I couldn't claim to be environmentally conscious and want to go into an environmental field and not be vegan. I would be just the most hypocritical thing I could imagine. So I was vegan then and been vegan for over two years and for myself too. So like maybe the push was from Aubrey, but like soon as I found that out, it was 100% me. So yeah, we were obsessed with it. We love it. And also, I had a lot of health problems when I was a baby and um, it really messed up my digestive system. I had like nine surgeries, and um, oh my goodness. I was allergic to, you know, like a couple hundred foods, really. And then just cleaning up my diet in this way and removing the inflammation that caused caused by dairy has, has strongly reduced almost all of my food allergies. So I went from having an incredibly limited diet to now that I'm vegan, I have a much more expansive diet, believe it or not, because it's it's really healed my my uh, digestive system. So for health reasons, it's been amazing. Environmentally, reasons really push me. And obviously, like, the animal ethics of it just kind of speak for themselves. So I don't know. That, that was a very wandering answer to your question. Does that all make sense? Yeah, no, that's totally okay. I've been vegan for almost two years now, and it's probably one of the best oh. de- best decisions I've ever made. And I'm the only vegan yeah. in my family as well. So, yeah. you know, if they have questions, I'll obviously answer them, but it, I try not to force it onto them or impose it onto them right. and just try and like lead right. by example and if they're curious they can ask me you know definitely and i'm we're both huge believers in like all progress is good progress right like, i don't know you know what i mean it's not like force or against us either you're fully vegan or you're the enemy because i've seen in my family a huge move towards more environmentally and ethically conscious decisions period and i think a lot of that is influenced by us so like I have a couple of siblings that are vegetarian or often vegetarian or kind of like with that. And my 13-year-old brother is, like, dairy-free or as dairy-free as he knows how to be while not making his own meals. You know, it's like he doesn't drink milk and like eat dairy because he just doesn't believe in the ethics that he really wants to be vegan. So it's like I think that my family um, definitely is, is moving in the in – a, in a, I'm not going to say the right direction because, again, that's kind of goes against what I think. I think they're moving in a very, like, environmentally and uh, – you know, ethically conscious direction. I'm really proud of them for that. And I, I think that probably why Aubrey was kind of being like finished about like pushing it is because I think that sometimes pushing veganism is, is like, you know, everyone that's going to be now, it kind of takes away from those other wins that you can get as you move towards a place of 
environmentally and uh, you know the conscious decision. But like we said, I totally agree with you. I think veganism is one of the most impactful decisions I've made in my life. And I honestly can't like I can't really imagine like going back from that sort of lifestyle, you know. Yeah, exactly. And you're so right because we vote with our dollars. So even those tiny switches, like if you just switch one of your meals out for a plant-based meal, like you're not putting your money towards those industries in which they supply more for if you buy more. So yeah, it's just those little switches still do make a difference. How has veganism affected you on your journey? Like, do you find it difficult to be vegan while traveling? I mean, you guys cook a lot of your own meals, but in grocery stores, do you still find a wide variety of availability of vegan options for you? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's, it's a question that I think a lot of people have when it comes to Mexico. We've had some of the best vegan meals in Mexico, I'd say, that we've ever had. The, I just think veganism is growing so much. And I was about to go to a cafe, just like a coffee shop that has a food menu, and they have a full vegan menu here. And so the demand is just growing all over the world for sure. We like to cook, like, whole foods. <laughs> we like to, you know, get fruit and vegetables and beans and things like that and just make food from, like, real foods. When we're in the States, it's very tempting to just go to the vegan section and get vegan meat and vegan cheese and all the substitutes and, and just really depend on both for flavor. But I think it really challenges our creativity to be in Mexico and not have a lot of those options. I will say, though, when you're in certain areas in Mexico, like the, the city we're in right now, Querétaro, is a very big city and super modern, and so there are plenty of vegan options at the grocery store. But when we're in more rural areas, we definitely it's definitely more challenging, but I think more fun to kind of create, uh, you know, taco meat from lentils rather than just going and getting, you know, vegan taco meat at the grocery store. So, so yeah, so I think, honestly, it's, it's really easy. The only downside is sometimes, you know, especially being in other countries, there are cultural meals that we love to try, but there's no vegan options. But even that is changing. Like, even I was in London uh, earlier last year, and, uh, you know, I wanted to try fishing chips because I never had, but uh, there were vegan options for that. And that definitely is happening all over the world, I think. So definitely getting easier. Awesome, yeah, because people, like you said, they tend to have, like, a preconceived notion that, like, say in Mexico like the food and culture is so different that you you won't be able to find the same things and you know we're all human we all pretty much eat the same thing but traveling to different places probably forces you to eat like a bit more seasonally and eat foods from the produce markets and gets you out of the typical just go to the grocery store grab the processed stuff and whole foods but yeah we shop at two places while we're here and it's a fruteria and tortillas (laughs) <laughs> so it's like we go for corn tortillas and fruits and vegetables and like then you're set and, 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 and some bulk food but not really and that's pretty much it like you know I don't know people who think it's like hard to find vegan options also it's like man vegan food is just freaking food that comes from the ground exactly right? so I don't know where would that be hard I mean maybe you can't find your like Beyond Meat burgers but you know like trust me you can make some things you know? also Aubrey happens to be an amazing cook uh, we both love being in the kitchen so that's Yeah. And before we move on to the end of the episode, could you think of a specific event or personal experience in your life that has shaped you into who you are now? And you don't have to go into too much detail if you don't feel comfortable, but we all go through things that most times aren't shared through social platforms. And sometimes it can make you feel alone, but in reality, everybody has something or another that's had an impact on their life. So 
if you have anything to share, maybe you could explain how it made you grow and what you may have learned from the experience. Definitely. Very interesting question. I've got something. I'll read you have something. Yeah. I don't think so. Are you looking for like a real answer? <laughs> uh, I guess I will have to give you a real answer. So obviously, we're, I'm very young. I'm like 22. And when, so I, I grew up in a big family. And my dad is a home builder. And then in 2008 and nine, we, he lost his job. We lost our house. We lost everything. And like, I had, we had, my family had to move in. Like, my dad went to another state to try to make money, and my mom and all the kids moved into my grandparents' place, which is in the middle of nowhere. You know, it's like an hour from the closest Walmart, in the middle of nowhere in rural Texas. And I left all my friends and, like, homeschooled in the middle of nowhere. It's just like, my dad was in there. It's like a really tough three years, you know? It's like, it was whack. We all to live in one bedroom, so we, like, lived in one bunk room in the back of my grandparents' place. And it's like, I don't know, you know, there's one of those things that, like, we just really did run out of money for a minute, you know, and, like, I'd never experienced that before. I was only, like, a lot of 12. So I, kind of, I started my own business when I was, like, 12. It was, like, your classical 12-year-old business, which is really lot. I ended up teaching music later and started working. But to me, to be totally honest with you, like, losing all that stuff, and we eventually made it back to Austin when I was in high school, and I started another business in high school that was pretty, like, made me actual money. But it's, like, having to work that young and having, like, you know, my dad was off working super hard somewhere else, and we were all trying to make it work. And, like, really having to experience, like, my family not having enough to take care of everybody and just being pushed to work, especially as the oldest, it, it grew me up really quickly, I think, in some areas. But it's like, I, I, I've been working since I was 12, you know what I mean? And, like, it kind of just pushed me to just really try hard and really, like, make my own money and be entrepreneurial and figure shit out. You know what I mean? Like, I think that shaped me more than anything. It felt like the shittiest time of my life. It felt like the worst three years in the world. And then I looked back on it, and it was like, well, you know, that's really what pushed me to try to want something, you know, and to try really hard to make something for myself and to not rely on my parents and to, like, build my own thing. And I think it's, like, shaped everything about my life, even though I was only, like, 11, 12, 13, 14 during that time. So that, for me, is by far the most impactful period of my life. Um, it was definitely my most impactful years, too. Um, I think that's probably why, like, I was willing to like, start our own business and, you know, get into the workforce so young and, and you know, such. I don't know. That's kind of rambling, but that could be my Isn't it crazy how we don't typically tend to notice how those things affect us in a positive way until later on. Like in the, in the moment we can think like, this is the hardest thing ever. Why is this happening to me? But then like a few years later down the road, like you said, like it's shaped you in such a positive way and made you mature and really push you to do the things that you probably wouldn't have done if that didn't happen. And it's just so crazy. Totally. Couldn't agree more. And I think that, like it's, you're really going to grow in your emotional capacity and your maturity when you're coasting. You know what I mean? Like, if you know what the next day is going to be and you're prepared for it and you're ready and everything, then, like, what, how is that really going to change you? But I totally agree with you. Like, you know, my family would have never chosen to just, like, not have a house anymore and lose our money. I mean, like, like you'd never volunteer for that. And that process, I think, challenged everyone to get out of their comfort zone in a very extreme way. And, like, made everyone change in all these ways you could never predict, right? In a way that if you're just doing the same thing every day, you'd never change. So couldn't agree more. I don't think I saw the value of that period of my life for a long time, probably until until I was with Aubrey, maybe, you know?
For sure. So, I would say my story, kind of the big thing that impacted me was when I was 14, my family's house burned down. So, we lost basically everything. There were a couple of things that maybe we were able to salvage, but basically everything. And I remember kind of the first night, uh, we, we all had been gone and we came back to the house to it being on fire. So, None of us were hurt or in danger or anything, which was awesome. But the first night, you know, we were spending the night in a hotel room, and I remember having this feeling of, like, wow, everything that I own now, I'm wearing. <laughs> everything that is actually mine is are just the clothes that I'm wearing right now. And, you know, we were super, super fortunate to have a really supportive community around us, the people who were, you know, you know giving us, furniture for our rental house or our, our house was going to be rebuilt and people who were taking us out to get new clothes and you know just the, the necessities like toothbrushes and things like that so it wasn't really that dire of a situation it could have been so much worse you know some one of my siblings could have died uh you know it could have been a really dangerous situation but I think just having that feeling of everything I own I'm wearing but everything's okay. Like that that was kind of the, the outcome of it was I realized after a few days everything's actually okay. And I think that has played into my uh, desire to be minimalist and ability to naturally be minimalist, I guess, because I realized that, you know, if uh, like our expensive camera gear or something got stolen or, you know, we dropped it in a lake on accident it's okay. Like it actually, life is going to move on and we're going to move forward. I'm not so attached to one item that, uh, you know, my life will absolutely fall apart if for some reason it's not in my life anymore. But I think that is a huge thing and definitely has played into our decision to do van life and take some of the risks that we're taking. And yeah, I don't know. That's nice. Wow. Yeah. That, <laughs> that's insane. But it's like I said before, like, it's just crazy how things work out and what you learn from them. And, but to maybe lighten things up a little bit, we can move on to the end. And I have some rapid-fire questions for you. So your go-to meal in the van. Okay. Or quinoa with, like, hummus and veggies. How do you like your coffee? Black. Definitely black. If you were to leave your van with just a backpack and a plane ticket to anywhere in the world, where would you go first? Ooh. Really? Oh my gosh, I wish I could rapid fire this question more. Um, <laughs> um, um, I'd say probably back to Southeast Asia. Southeast Asia, okay. Eco conscious choices you take with you on the road to reduce your impact on the environment? Uh, well, a lot of things. Uh, rapid fire would be like we use very, very little water and are conscious of that. We use solar power for energy. We consume very few things and buy quality over quantity. We're vegan and vegan right so to me it's at least we try to i'm not obviously we still run in a diesel van and like mm-hmm. that there's that's not the best thing right so it's like we're not at a perfect place yet where this type of lifestyle is sustainable and a fully conscious way but you know i don't really know too many areas of life where we're at least not trying to you know we can operate an open to go mm-hmm. do you consider yourselves introverted or extroverted uh introverted i guess Definitely extroverted. <laughs> Morning or night, people? Morning. Night. <laughs> Describe yourselves as teenagers in three words. Ooh. Two words? I would say probably, like, um, like naively confident. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man. Idealistic is definitely one. 
And this isn't one word, but, like, all of myself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Do you prefer, prefer city, beach, or mountain life at the van? Oh, my oh, God. Uh, probably beach for me. Uh, I would say that's a hard question. All of the above. I don't know. Maybe, maybe mountain. You know? <laughs> the three favorite ways you stay active while on the road. Uh, Hiking. Yeah. For sure. We'd love to hike. And then Biking. we like to bike. We don't do it enough. And like over overnight back. Then we have a lot of different, like we go to the, I like to run, but uh, but we go to the gym um, a little bit, not as much as we should. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. But hiking, hiking, biking, and then we're in the water pretty decent amount. I don't know. We're not that in shape. <laughs> Resources you use to find places to park the van for the night. Uh, the main one is an app called iOverlander. Um, it's just kind of a crowdsourced app where, you know, as campers and van lifers, you can share different places that you parked and camp that worked out really well. How do you keep yourself entertained on a long drive? Definitely podcasts and music and just a good old-fashioned conversation. A lot of good old-fashioned conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Scariest thing you've ever done? Oh. Yeah. Scariest thing I've ever done. For me, like, I've gone, like, skydiving and like a lot of extreme sports but driving the van in Mexico <laughs> on these crazy highways much scarier I would say like the most extreme sport or like the most scared I've ever been on an extreme sport was definitely when we went mountain biking with some friends yeah, we ended up freaking terrible <laughs> we ended up we had never done it before and we ended up on a trail that was definitely intermediate and they thought it was beginner so I went over the handlebars at least three times um, like, on that trail down a gigantic cliff every single time <laughs> But I loved it. That was so. scarier than it should have been. That was way scarier than some of the shoots where she's done. Yeah. We went whitewater rafting the other day. It was nothing. <laughs> the thing the universe. Yeah. But freaking that mountain biking trail that we did. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, we, uh, we took, like, a trip up to Georgia, and it's called Helen, Georgia. It's, like, this Swiss little village sort of thing. It was really ah. cute. It was really cute, but we went on this 14-mile mountain bike trail, and it was basically downhill the entire time. And yeah. I almost <laughs> fell off the mountain a few times. <laughs> oh my god, it's scary, man. I'm telling you. Yeah. Okay, if you had the attention of the whole world for one minute, what would your message be? Ooh, I've got a message. You ready? Okay, this is a serious message for the world. And I think it's that fundamentalism, which is this idea that, like, my, the way I view the world is inherently right, and the way that you view the world is inherently wrong. I think fundamentalism in any form is the absolute poison in the well. And you look at politics, and you look at religion, and you look like different lifestyles, and the, they, there's so much beauty in almost every single one, and the thing that tears them all apart is this messed up fundamentalist mindset that says, my ideas inherently have more value than worth than yours. And I think the only way to survive as a species and continue to move forward is to recognize that no one person has the answer. We must be open to each other's answers, no matter how passionate you are about it no matter how much you feel like you've got the right answer. So for me, in any instance that I think that I've got it figured out, I recognize that I, I absolutely could be wrong. So I think if, as a species, you're able to let go of this fundamentalist concept of I'm right and you're inherently wrong. You're so wrong that you're going to boil in hell forever. Or you're so wrong that you're, you know, whatever number of words. Like, if we can let go of that as a species, we can truly, truly move forward and see each other as human. So I, I think that fundamentalism in any form 
literally the poison that messes up religion, it's the poison that messes up politics, messes up even things like veganism, right? And it makes people less mm -hmm. excited to be a part of that. So, boom, that's my <laughs> I think mine uh, is actually a little bit similar in that, like, I think so much progress is made when people meet and talk to and build relationships with people that look different than them and have a different culture than them. There's so much fear-mongering happening within different communities that, you know, are pointing the finger at people on the outside and saying that person is a scary person, but the second that they talk to each other, they realize that they're not scary at all. And I, that has been so clear to us traveling in Mexico that, you know, the first time we came to Mexico before, you know, in the little couple months of us leading up to our trip, we had friends and family who were telling us this. We had comments on our YouTube channel who were saying, be careful in Mexico. Mexico is absolutely so dangerous, and, you know, you don't know what you're getting yourself into, and I'm so nervous that you're going to literally die. And when we got here, and this trip is no different, the people are absolutely amazing. You know, when we're stumbling through our Spanish, and they're stumbling through their English, trying to, you know, create some kind of friendship, it's just so, so clear that the people who speak a different language and look different than us are seriously no different than us. And I think it would absolutely change the world if all of these communities met each other. That's what I would have done. That's a good one. That is a good Wait, one. I want to hear what your thing would be if you had everyone's attention. <laughs> oh, me? Um, kind of, like, I agree with both what both of you said, but probably to push all of your judgments aside and live... For you and do the best that you can to help everything around you, whether that be people, animals, the environment, and acknowledge that we're all one and the same, despite all the differences. Like we have so many commonalities, and like you said, it would change the world. Like <laughs> if everyone just lived in unity and community with with, with one another. So, yeah, just uh -huh. for everyone to be themselves and to write their own story, to write their own path despite what they may have been mm -hmm. told growing up by the people around them and the media. Yeah. Yeah. What are three things on your bucket list? For me, probably the biggest thing right now is uh, to get to Patagonia. So that's why I'm 100% confident we're going to Argentina because <laughs> I have to hike to Patagonia. Um, so that's number one. Number two is super goofy. I really, my whole entire life, I wanted to go to the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. I don't know why, but I have. And I like, grew up on the, number one. That was kind of, one. Honestly, they're equal, I would say. Um, but Patagonia is just like much more relevant to my life right now. Number three, maybe, is to like get to Africa, like, and actually travel it extensively and learn more about Africa. But that's like very loose. So definitely. Okay, I will share your number three because that really is my number three. Is like I want to get the freak to Africa, man. Hop in a jeep and like absolutely tear that continent up because <laughs> I think it just it, it's intimidating because mm -hmm. it's so unknown I think that's the most fun rewarding stuff usually is when you kind of go into the intimidating stuff because I think most other continents in the world are fairly well traveled and understood whereas Africa in the Middle East is less understood so it feels scarier than it probably is mm -hmm. so anyway that sounds dope that's number three number two this sounds groovy but I wanted this forever I wanted this before I had any tattoos but um, I really want to just like get in with some black-ass tribe and, and somewhere <laughs> some amazing, like, ancient tribe and, like, mail me meet up with them and then have them give me some, like, really cool little tattoo design with, like, you know, very dangerously with, like, a stick and charcoal, like, very sketchy vibes. <laughs> that just sounds fun to me. 
My number one is go to space. Like, I, I'm gonna freaking go to space, man. Go to space? I, I, I don't go to Mars, but like, I, I like, I would freaking leave everything to go to space for real. That's number one for me. That's sick. That's crazy, <laughs> but awesome at the same time. Wait, do, you have three, do you have three things? Oh man, um, <laughs> three things. It's just so hard to narrow it down to three. So, go to Hawaii, create my own business and be able to live sustainably like making have a source of income through my creative endeavors whatever I may be doing and then also number one thing on my bucket list is to be a mom like have a child like if I have a child like my life is fulfilled you know like just to bring another human human into this world is just like so mind-blowing to me that the woman's body is capable of doing that Mm. and like that's like Dang, yeah. Because that's like people always say like, you know, once you're gone, like you you're like once you die, like you're gone, like you don't leave like an imprint. But I, that's like not true. Like if you have a child, like that is your imprint. Right. That is your legacy. Like what you leave behind is what you give to them and what you like teach them, you know? Yeah. Definitely. So, that's, that's a huge trump card to the bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> Are you guys thinking of having kids at some point? rather have like a like a home base like not like have like a home and be like settled when you have kids like would you want to take them in the van or would you rather be like stationary yeah if we have kids our kids are definitely traveling dude mm-hmm. definitely yeah. of course probably not full time though who knows i mean who knows where who could ever guess for us where we'd be in two years <laughs> who in the world knows man but i definitely want our kids to experience life to the fullest if we do have kids and um you know, to me, that means travel and adventure. So, yeah. For sure. Books, podcasts, or music you've been digging lately? Mm. Uh, what's the podcast that we were just listening to? Is it S-Town? Yeah, Shit Town? Yeah, that was really good. I have, I have a quick recommendation. Okay, yeah. Okay, so I'm reading this book right now called Addicted. It's about, like, how low housing prices cause, like, systemic poverty. Or, like, like how predatory landlords cause systemic poverty in, like, America's poor. And it's an incredible book. I think the Pulitzer Prize. So... Evicted's been unreal, and then, yeah, podcast, Shit Town was really good. Um, what have we been listening to like crazy? It's like we've just been putting, like, like we, we always like the podcast, no such thing as a fish, that would really make us laugh. <laughs> but then we listen to music basically 24-7. Mm-hmm. What, I've been, we've been listening to a lot of old school rap, man. A lot of Tribe Called Quest recently. 
Do you have anything in particular, babe? Always some Frank Osher? Um, yeah, no, that's, that's pretty much You got no, no additions? No additions. God, always love the war on drugs. This makes me, like, want to go to, like, my Spotify and give you, like, the last, like... You just opened up Pandora's box. Always love, I've been listening to Brock Hampton a lot. <laughs> Listening to Anderson Pack a lot, Joey Badass, The Ark, Typhoon, you know, all kinds of shit. Lee Volbeck, did a good one recently. <laughs> I haven't heard of half of those, so. <laughs> um, you, should, you should, you should, they're all amazing. What is the best advice you have ever received or your favorite quote? Oh, jeez, huh? These questions. You're going deep. Oh, totally off guard. That's not that's not a rapid response. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't have to be rapid. You're all good. <laughs> I'm just such like a quote person, so I love hearing other people's quotes. Like my favorite one that I live by every single day is "Everything happens for a reason." So, mm-hmm. okay, it's gonna be very weird. My favorite quote. You ready for this? I'm gonna have to explain it. Okay. All right. Are you ready for this? It's very weird. Maybe. So. I have to give a little bit of a precursor, but this does not mean that I'm religious and it, like or anything. But definitely, Jesus had a few bangers, and he said this one really nice thing about. Um, he said a lot of nice things. Like Jesus has this one quote where he's he's saying that you know when you when you clothe the naked, you clothe me. When you feed the hungry, you you literally feed me. And I think that that's the most beautiful religious text that I know of because it Jesus in that quote is literally saying that every time you you clothe someone who's naked, you clothe God, right? Every time you feed someone who's hungry, you feed God. Every time you take someone who's in his home, you, you, you house God. And if we live by that principle, then like that, you know, to, and every time we take care of ourselves, then we take care of God as well. Like it's such a profoundly impactful way to view the world that like everyone has that level of incredible importance and every living being has that level of importance and dignity and like, Every time we do something for someone else, it has that level of importance. So I think that quote, definitely, I live my life by. And to me, most religions kind of come back, in, the, in their best form, come back to that sentiment of like, you know, every time you do another action for another person, you're, you're, you're you know, you're taking care of God. So I know that's a little bit, I had to explain that one a little bit more. But to be honest, that's probably, that's definitely my favorite, like, religious text. It definitely is something I live my life by, or try to. Like, it impacts me a lot. Yeah, that's amazing. Gotcha. Oh, you got Aubrey? Aubrey? Um, no. <laughs> I, 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 I got. No, no, I have a quote that I really love, but I can't remember it. So maybe, maybe when I like text it to you later, I'll look it up and you can like put a little section in here where you read it. Oh, listen up! I've got best advice actually. Okay. This is something that's way less about like live your entire life by this. I have really good conflict management advice. Do you want to hear it? <laughs> sure. I had this really great boss, really good friend of mine, who I was hanging out with. And we were both having some things with our family and friends that we were, like, trying to figure out, you know, good ways to manage things. And my buddy, or my boss, gave me this excellent piece of conflict management advice that I use every single day, so I will share it. And that is, um, you've got to recognize that in any situation, there is, like, a... In any negative, toxic, conflict situation, there's a victim, there's a hero, and there's a bad guy. And it's a toxic way to view the world. And, and whenever you see these like toxic relationships that build up, it's usually because one person is perpetually the victim and another person perpetually plays the hero. And basically the rest of the world becomes the bad guy in some way, shape, or form, right? And it's so tempting to fall into that. 
And that blew my mind because, like, I realized that I try to play the hero in my life and my family's life all the time. And that's a toxic way to view the world. It, like, cripples other people, right, to try to play the hero. It cripples other people when you try to be the victim, right, and make other people bad guys. So that is a piece of relationship advice I think about every day. Um, okay, I think I kind of remember my quote. Okay. It's not exact, but this is basically the idea. Um, life is not about finding yourself. It's about creating yourself. Whoa. Yeah. I really love that quote because I That's think... Quote. Yeah, I think it's awesome because I think, especially as young people, we're kind of told, like, you need to go find yourself. You need to go on these crazy adventures to, like, discover who you are and who you were meant to be and what your passion is. And I don't think that's what it is. I think you have to be actively and in, like active and intentional about uh, creating your own destiny. I mean, that's exactly what you said, Lauren, earlier. Where it's like you just have to make it happen for yourself. And you're never going to have this, well, maybe you will, but probably won't have this light bulb moment of this is my passion and this is what I'm going to spend my entire life doing. You're going to have to go meet people and talk to people and learn and discover and adventure and uh, challenge yourself and that really what it's about yeah dang it that's a great quote yeah it's it's like the same thing with happiness too is like and life and Mm. life in general is that like it's not a destination like finding yourself is not a destination it's like a constant evolving process and that's what my whole brand earthling lotus is about is like like the constant evolving changing beings that we all embody yeah it's just just the whole thing that's not a destination because i went through this Mm -hmm. whole big thing that like once I'm 18 and out of the house, I'll be happy. Once I travel somewhere, I'll be happy. But, like, that's not how it works. Like, it's just about your perceptions yeah. and the way that, like, your perspective on your life right now and the f- realizing that you can choose to be happy and choose to be miserable. Like, it's a, sort of like a choice. So choosing right. to be happy in the moment and that carries on with you throughout the rest of your life. And I agree more, dude. Mm-hmm. So, last one, future plans, maybe future travel plans and creative endeavors. Our uh, main main thing on the agenda right now is to get to Argentina, mm-hmm. and it's obviously about the journey. We're not just looking at there. So, it'll be uh, at least um, all of 2019, if not longer, to get there. So that's kind of our, our travel plans at this point. And I don't know, future creative endeavors, we're just, like, really trying to focus on, on YouTube right now and, um, and everything that comes with it, you know, different products that we might create to add more value to our, our audience and things like that. But that's really our main focus and we just absolutely are so fortunate to have it and we're really loving it. You guys just created that course, the My Money for My Life. So that yeah. that's amazing. Do you have any other sort of like creative things in the works like that? But you don't have to say anything because you might want to keep it like secret. But Oh, no, we don't keep it perhaps. Yeah, well, one thing we want to do, but we just haven't had time to do you guys, like make some really in-depth travel guides for all of these like luxury oh, yeah. areas. So someone could like, you know, we could say, hey, do you want to take a week-long driving trip to Mexico? Here's how to do it and get the most out of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, help people like, help hold people's hand maybe a little bit into going to places they consider scary yeah. or they consider intimidating and, you know, helping show them that they're not and, you know, get out on the road and do it, right? So we'd love to create those travel guides and love to get back to our podcast and love to make more videos and like, there's just never enough time of the day to make our brand what we want it to be. So, like, I can't even, we could literally probably go on for an hour on, like, different random creative ventures that we want to take with our brand. But it's definitely all within, like, right now, what our focus is is our, is our social media brand. So it's all kind of there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, all of those sound awesome. But to end the episode, I would like to ask you a question that I ask all of the guests on the show. 
And that is, how would you advise the earthlings listening to keep growing like a lotus and create a life that they love while embodying their most authentic self? Hmm, I think that I'd say Aubrey's quote is a really good one. Mm-hmm. There is no, my opinion, there's no magical self for you to find, and there's no, I mean, people would definitely disagree with me on this, but in my opinion, I don't think there's any, like, pre-planned destination that we're all going towards. I think that we've sort of kind of created for ourselves, and that's a very intimidating and scary thing. But if you lean into that, and you're willing to accept that, you know, like, your destiny is kind of in your own hands, it's incredibly rewarding to be to realize that, like, you know, that, that leaves every option on the table, right? Like, you really can, um, like, there's no one that's, like, instructing you on how to live your life, right? Like, all, all your destinations and who you are and your happiness and everything, really, I think, is dependent on you. Like, there's no magical self to find, right? So if you kind of let go of that, I think that's what allows you to create, uh, to adapt and evolve in a really positive way. Because some people get so hooked up on the, the image of themselves that they have, right? Like, I studied politics in high school and really thought I wanted to pursue that. Or in college, sorry, got my degree in political science. I really thought I wanted to pursue that. But then, like, I quickly saw that wasn't what we needed to do, and so let go of that, and I'm so happy I did, right? But if I hadn't been willing to evolve a little bit, I might still be in D.C., like, working a barely non-paying job, 80 hours a week, and hating my life. So I'd say also don't get caught up in, like, the image of yourself that you have, right? Because there's no magical self to find. Just just pursue, like, what's the best version of yourself today, and what's the thing that you have that's exciting in front of you today? So that was a very rambly way to put it, but that's probably my best advice. But also, I'm 22, I don't really know anything, so don't listen to me. <laughs> yes, yes. Aubrey, do you have anything different, or do you do you agree? No, I totally agree. I think that's perfect. All right, well, thank you guys so much for being here on the podcast. I'm sure all the listeners really enjoyed and appreciated hearing a bit of your story as much as I did. Yeah, thanks for having us. Also, you're lovely learning things. Um, uh, keep doing what you're doing and pursuing your brand and you know putting out great content. It's- it's awesome to see you doing it at your age and doing it in such a mature, intentional way. Like, mm-hmm. you're a rock star, man. Keep doing it. Thank you so much. Where can everyone find you? So, you can find us on YouTube. Just search The Matinees, M-A-T-N-E-Y-S. And you can also find us on Instagram at The Matinees underscore. And then, if you'd really like to get deep, you can find our podcast, which is called The Millennials. Um, so, yep, YouTube and Instagram and podcast however you need to to get to know us but it all starts with youtube so you only need a little taster check that out awesome well yeah i'll link everything down below in the description for everyone to find and also to everyone listening be sure to leave a review or comment if you'd like christian and aubrey to come back on the podcast and any specific (laughs) topics you would like us to chat about all right well thank you again guys so much you guys are amazing people well thank you yeah we love being here well, I hope you guys have an amazing rest of your day. Go on an amazing adventure for me. <laughs> <laughs> we will. We're about to hang out with friends all day, so we're uh, going to go grab a coffee right now. But seriously, it was awesome chatting with you, and you're doing. I'm excited to see what you do. You're doing some awesome stuff, and you should be really proud. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, well, I will let you guys go and get on with your day, but thank you, and I will probably talk to you guys soon. Awesome. Oh, good. Nice to meet you. Bye, you guys too. Bye.